You're listening to Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Felony Inc. Podcast. Broadcasting live from Ned Space and remotely from my living room in scenic... <laughs> Portland, Oregon. I'm in a society that houses the largest inmate population on earth. Anything that can be done to curb the recidivism rate is incredibly valuable, and that's what we intend to accomplish here with the Inc. Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Dick Hennessy. As always, I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Meg Tippadal. And today hey, we have... Hey, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Meg? Good to hear your voice. <laughs> Likewise. Uh, today we have a very, very special... Uh, and now I can consider her to be a regular guest of the podcast, uh, Georgia Durante, a uh, former supermodel, former stunt woman, and the owner of Enchanted Manor. Georgia, how are you doing? Hey, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Never better. Bringing in. <laughs> One day at a time. I'd like to get out and see, you know, at least the sun for like just maybe 10 minutes, you know? It's been it raining be here for weeks. Oh, how weird. Yeah, it was actually, lockdown and raining all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it look, well, it looks cool. like it's going to be kind of nice. sure the sun will come back. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just yeah. a matter of time. I'm hoping that the, the world comes back to what it used <laughs> to be. I think we all are, Georgia, for sure. I think so. I, I, I wonder, yeah, let's start there. I'm so curious, Georgia. So you have the Enchanted Manor that you rent out for events, for weddings, and for people to come stay. Right. Uh, also, am I, am I correct that you also run, still run a stunt business where you have a cadre of female and male stunt drivers that you send out yes. to Hollywood and commercials and things? Yes, but since I am not actually out there performing myself, um, you know, the the business really ran on uh, my, you know, what, what I did to make it happen. And I'm not out there dealing with the clients, taking them to lunch, working with them. Uh, and a lot of, a lot of the guys that uh, I worked with that were, um, had always used me, you know, they're all retiring now or, you know, moved on, and these young kids that are coming in and taking their place, they don't know who I am, you know. So it's it's not like it used to be when all of my drivers, this is what they did. Now they all have to have another job to get them through, and then, you know, whenever a commercial comes along, you know, they can do it on a part-time basis instead of a full-time basis now. Yeah, I was actually going to ask that. Is is there less of a demand for stunt drivers, professional stunt drivers in this day and age with CGI and everything like that? Is it what? Is there less? Sorry, is there less of a demand for professional stunt drivers now than there was before? Um, not really. I mean, as long as you're seeing car commercials, there's there's a need, you know. Uh, but we did, you know, as a team, as a team, we would do sort of what the Blue Angels did in, in the air is what we did on the ground, you know. Um, they're not doing a whole lot of that in advertising right now, but, you know, there's still a little bit that has to be done. That was, I, that's what I was curious about was just, you know, with CGI and things like that. But, um, it's yeah. interesting, Blue Angels, it takes that level of coordination and danger to be able to pull it off successfully. And that's why you hire a team. You don't hire a driver from over here and somebody from over there and, you know, and try to put these people together. You have to work with people who, who constantly work together and know each other's moves. And uh, it, it's it's a very uh, precise kind of driving, and you just cannot, you know, hire anybody to do it. A team that works together is, is what you need to do a commercial like that. 
interesting. It sounds like such an interesting business to to be able to oh. kind of a fun side gig, if anything. But it sounds like everything is being affected by what's going on now and sort of our inability to go out and do business at all. And I imagine that's had a huge impact on the <laughs> gathering that your Enchanted Manor specializes in. Oh, yeah. Going? Actually, I had a film. Um, I do filming here as well. Um, and uh, I, I, they were supposed to come on Saturday. Of course, you know, nobody's coming now. <laughs> but uh, everything, that's, everything that's going on, I have weddings scheduled for April, May, June. July, they're all like canceling. Some are canceling altogether. Some are pushing them to next year. But all this money that, you know, because I take 50% upon booking, I got to pay all that money back. It's like thousands of dollars. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, is the money, is it, is the work even going to be coming? You know, I mean, how long is this going to go on? It's crazy. It I think you'd be hard. And I know a lot of people aren't able to give those refunds and it's just a, it's a tough situation for sure. Yeah. Well, I just, I just cashed in a couple of CDs to be able to do it. Cause you know, I'm talking thousands of dollars. It's not like you got yeah, that good. reserve, you know? Um, but, um, you know, hopefully it'll come back, you know, I mean, everybody's in dire, a dire situation right now, you know? I, I, I feel like I have a lot of faith in you, Georgia. Sorry, Georgia. We can't see each other. Go, Dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we keep uh, talking uh, over each other. We're still getting used to this format. Very different than being in the same studio together. Yeah. Go ahead. You, you ask Dick. And then I'll ask. We'll take turns. That's We've got perfect. so many That's questions it. for you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, I'm just saying, I, I feel like you'd be really hard-pressed to find anyone other than like someone that owns grocery stores that hasn't been significantly affected by this uh, crisis right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody. It's everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I uh, I don't know what these people are going to do about this movie because they they did the first portion of it um, like three, four weeks ago, and then they were, you know, scheduled to come back to do the, the finishing touches, whatever they had to do. I don't know. So, I mean, they're losing like on a major motion picture, you know, they cannot finish the picture and they've already, they've got millions of dollars sunk into this already. You know, it's crazy. Uh, Hey, they did. um, There's a movie that they, they did here. It's called uh, Charlie says it's uh, about Charles Manson and, and, Basically, it's about the women, and they kind of follow them in jail. I mean, it's a real, it's a real true story. But they killed Sharon Tate in my uh, in my great room, and, just, and <laughs> <laughs> it's like and everybody that comes in to rent as a you know as a vacation renter, I'll say, oh, that's where they killed Sharon Tate. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, it's fun! It's fun. I'm curious. Speaking of movies, um, just for our listeners too, I just want to say that Georgia Durante has two has been an, a guest on this podcast two other times, episode 19 and episode 65. They're stu- totally worth a listen. There's a lot of great backstory about how you come to here and your your path through being a model in the Kodak Summer Girl, being one of the most widely photographed models in the 60s, late 60s, early 70s, right? Right. And um, then uh, becoming essentially a mob wife and a getaway driver for the mafia. (laughs) And uh, lots of of sort of crazy traumatic events and then becoming a stunt car driver. And I, I, I can't help but think, in a couple of pieces, I, I can't help but think, hearing your story about how you, you got away from the mafia, you're looking for a job where you can not be photographed, you can't be a model because your face is visible, you're looking out and you see these commercials and these stunt cars being driven and you can't see the driver and you go, that's my job. 
That's what I can do is I know how to drive. I've been a getaway driver. I'm an excellent driver and I want my face hidden. And you found this amazing new career. And I can't help but think that no matter what happens, Georgia, you've got this next chapter. This next chapter could very well be the next book. And um, for our listeners, Georgia's book is called The Company She Keeps. And so I'm also curious, this is like a huge two-part question. I'm, I want to know more about any ideas that have come up to you or any sense of how you might pivot um, if things don't go back to completely back to normal, uh, whatever normal even means. And then I want to know, how, what's the progress on the film or the, um, the series about, of the company she keeps? Well, that would be my pivoting point, <laughs> you know. Um, that's actually uh, be happening now. Um, they're they're looking for directors. The script has been written, um, and a lot of meetings were scheduled for last week, and then we had the lockdown, so that's all been postponed now. But uh, what what they're planning to do is what or what they want to do is uh, you know have it be a feature, a feature film, and then spin it off into a uh, Netflix series. So, I mean, if that should happen, that would be my next chapter. And then, you know, I'm, and then after that, it's like six feet under, right? <laughs> right. But, I mean, that would... The only guess, sure thing we know, for the only thing we know for a fact, right? Yeah. So, well, I... Uh, I just, you know what, it, the, the thing that I want to do is when it does become a movie, I just want to double the woman who doubles for me. And then I can say, I did it, right? It's done. Yes. Do you have any, is there anything that you can tell us about that, that feature film? Is there a director on board or an actress to play you? Actor? Well, that's exactly what they were doing. Uh, you know, they were getting together with two or three different directors that was supposed to happen last week, and, and then all this happened. So, uh, uh, but, Are you, you know, writing I mean, a screenplay? Oh, I'm not writing the screenplay. I can't even believe I wrote a book. <laughs> 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 you know, it was so funny because I didn't think I could write, right? And uh, I really started out with this book, um, doing it for therapy. And um, I had about 40 pages of this raw journal written. And I started adding dialogue. And I I was rereading it saying, Jesus, this is like turning into a book. But I didn't think I could write. So I called Sydney Sheldon, who is a friend of mine. And I said, Cindy, I, I think I'm writing a book here, but I said, I don't know how to write. I said, can you suggest a ghostwriter? So he says, well, send me what you got. So I send it to him. He calls me three days later and he says, Georgia, you don't need a ghostwriter. He says, you know how to tell a story. He says, and you got one hell of a story to tell. He said, but what I would do, he says, go start from your childhood. Get the reader to know you and love you, so when they get to these parts, they'll forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent advice. Uh, yeah, right. so. Well, and the end of this story as well, I mean, of course, the story hasn't ended yet, but to I think that a story, you know, it's so great, and we get to see so many of these redemption stories, you know, with this podcast and the work that we do. I think there's no, I just believe there are so few people with the entrepreneurial spirit and the real tenacity and hustle as folks who have, uh, how do I say, like experienced a broad, broad spectrum of life, right? So, yeah, I mean, I have so much faith in the folks that we work with. I have so much faith in you, like, I know you'll be all right. I know I'll be all right. I know Dick's going to be all right. Not only, you know, we've got the prison time behind us to know how to do this lockdown pretty creatively. And to <laughs> yeah. think of what that next chapter is going to be that we're going to put ourselves into, whether it's a part or all of what we were doing before. I mean, you're really poised here to be able to take the next step. There might even be another book in you. Oh, I got a book. <laughs> I have got a story. Uh, it's a book that I would name Finding Papa, because I never knew my real father. 
Yeah, Finding Papa. And, uh, oh man, I mean, this is way too long for the time that we got on the phone, but um, it's going to be like an incredible story. (laughs) Can you tell us just a little bit? Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, I found... I found my father who lives in uh, in Santiago in Chile and uh, had a five-year, uh, you know, re- relationship with him before he died. And then I find out after he died, I'm on 23andMe. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. It just, it just keeps going. I, you know what? It's... Well, there was another one in between that I thought was my father. I did a DNA test with this this girl, and we turned out we were sisters. So wow. now, uh, and then like two years later, I'm on 23andMe and find out I have all these relatives. So I called that sister, and I said, well, who are these people? How are we? And she says, I have no idea. Well, turns out... <laughs> Her father is not my father. It's not my father either. But we do have the same father. Oh, my goodness. Are are you following that? Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you found a sibling. Just to recap, you found a sibling, and you thought that you had the same father, but the man that you thought you shared in common is not the man who is the father that you did share right. in common. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is incredible. This is gonna. This is an amazing story. Yeah. It, I mean, how bizarre is that? And what are the chances? So no. anyway, um, there's a there's a lot in between there that needs to be said, but that'll all be in a book. Have you started it? Uh, no, I haven't. But you know what? Being, uh, you know, caged in here, this is a good time to start. Yeah, in the- perfect time. I, I just have a, a two-part, a quick two-part question about that. Um, in a previous interview that I saw uh, that you did, you talked about potentially writing a book about Morton Downey Jr.'s life. Is that still in the works or something you may be considering down the road? Oh, you know what, more I, I've got that probably three quarters written, but his wife, who's a very, very good friend of mine, um, she wants to finish it because she, she knows the story. The questions that I would have that I would, you know, ask him if he was still here, um, she knows the answers to, and she knows the feeling, um, the feelings that he would have had about certain things that she could, you know, she could explain. So I gave her my pages and she is supposed to be adding to them and, you know, kind of finishing the story because he died on me and, and then, you know, there was nowhere else I could go with it. You know, I mean, I had his, I had his, his attention while he was in the hospital and he couldn't go anywhere. And I worked with him for hours and hours. I got everything on tape. Um, in fact, I just gave her all the tapes as well that she could go through, but, um, she knows the story and I'm pushing her, I'm pushing her to just finish it, get it done. I promised him, you know, that is so sweet. I feel like if you guys even just went directly like towards the screen uh, story option, you know, get these things optioned as quickly as possible and go straight to to film and um, and series. People are you know sitting in the their sad- homes. Netflix is dying for content. Get yeah. these things into Netflix as quickly as possible. And your plan B is taken care of. The next thing you know, you're going to be doing tours of Enchanted Manor because the famous Georgia Durante is here. You know what the sad thing is, though, is so many people don't remember Morton Downey Jr. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, why, if that book was on the shelf right now, it's like, who is this guy? Why Why would I want to read about him? I don't know who that is, right? Okay, but if the, you know? if the series was on Netflix, Everybody would know who Everybody would know Jr. is. Yeah. Everybody knows who Joe Exotic is now, and none of us knew before, like a few weeks ago. So, well, li- I, listen to this. Falling. Did you guys see the Tiger King? 
<laughs> no, I was just looking at it. <laughs> is, that, is that good? It's a disaster. Don't watch it. No, it's far from good, but it's absolutely hilarious. It's a okay. It's horrifying, but it's hilarious. Okay. It's quarantine TV. <laughs> um, please make your series so we can watch your stories. Well, you know, I'm doing this thing, or I was doing this until uh, we all got quarantined. Um, it was called Sages and Seekers. And um, I would be a sage because I'm like, I'm an older person now. And the seekers are, um, you know, like 15, 15-year-old high school kids. And they pair up these kids, these seekers, with a sage. And we give them our knowledge in exchange. They tell us about what's going on in their world. So we learn something, too. So the girl said to me, the, the girl that I got said, so what was it like for you growing up? And I said, well, I said, you know what I got for my ninth birthday? And she said, what? And I said, I got a hot water heater. She said, hot water heater? I said, yeah, up until then I used to have to shovel coal to take a hot bath. And she was like, wow, are you kidding? And then I said, and then when I was 17, I became the Kodak girl. And she says, what's Kodak? (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. So, yeah, times are really changing, right? Time is weird, isn't it? It's really strange to be alive for multiple decades. The the (laughs) picture, so to speak, gets bigger. You know, we get to the patterns. You get to be aware of, like, so so much more about the patterns of human life. I think that that is what, the sage is a great term. You know, it's kind of another term for that wise elder where the person, Uh the keeper of the wisdom, right? And and in this day and age, it's filling people in on what Kodak and Morton Downey Jr. mean. Yeah. That's hilarious. I've got to know a little more about this coal, though, Georgia, because you're not that old. The coal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tell us. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need to know where you grew up and why you were shoveling coal for your bath. Because (laughs) I know you're not that old. I grew, yeah, I grew up in Rochester, New York. And we used to have, like, um, every Saturday, the coal guys used to come and they used to put this big tube down into the cellar and the coal would fill the bin and they'd come back and fill it up again the next week or the next month. But to take a bath, to get hot water, you had to keep feeding the furnace. And that's how we got hot What did your parents do? I mean, your dad was not around. He's a Chilean mystery. Well, no, my my mom my mom married this fabulous guy when I was five, and he's been my dad. He is my father, greatest, wonderful father you could ever have. He was a golf pro, and uh, my mom was a waitress. But back in those days, uh, you know, my my mom had to work three jobs to you know keep us uh, in in coal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, so, you know. do you think in this period, this time of coronavirus, I personally am getting the sense that there's a great big cultural pause, a great slowdown where, you know, we were in a very high pitched culture of busyness and hustle and constant information. And I'm wondering for you if you're having any sense of what this. Um, you know, talking about that, like there is a world where simple cutting out the middleman, all of the ways that we have conveniences that keep us from, you know, being in our own homes, in our own backyard and growing our own food and having coal delivered or whatever it is. Some of that stuff might not be the worst way to live. I wonder if you're having a sense of simplicity or like any you know what? I think insights is, around that for yourself. I think this is God's way of telling us we need to slow down. You know, smell the roses, figure out what's really important in life. You know, everybody's so busy making money, and uh, you know the stock market's going up, and it's like we we need to like calm down and get back to the basics, and that's what we're doing, and it's kind of cool. I mean, my daughter right now, I I, I think, 
the, the uh, listeners, if they listen to the other podcast, know that I have a, a 14-year-old daughter. I adopted her when she was 10 days old. And she has asthma, so she's she's homeschooling right now in the other room as we're speaking. But, um, you know, I'm just keeping her away from everything. But we're actually, like, playing Scrabble and watching movies together and things that we don't normally do. She's usually on her, her phone or her, you know, her iPad and, you know, playing with her friends on uh, PlayStation or whatever. Now we're, like... It's nice. I mean, we're we're communicating, you know. Yeah, I find that as well. There's a lot more space to to commune with the family. I feel like I'm getting to know my own house and yard in a way that I didn't quite have time to do before. <clears throat> it's certainly an ironic twist. Um, I, I think that we have to go to a commercial break real quick, Georgia, and then uh, okay. get back to the business here at Felony Act. Is that correct? All I right, think it's time. Fine. I think I got so excited. I've been five minutes over. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will. Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. All right, ladies and gentlemen, again, if you're just joining us on Felony Inc., um, our guest today is Georgia Durante. Former supermodel, former stunt woman, owner of the Enchanted Manor, and former mafia wife, uh, Georgia. I just had one question about uh, some of the previous interviews you did. Um, I think the first uh, time you were on Felony Inc., you talked to Dave about being 17 and running from the police uh, in the high-speed chase and getting away, correct? Uh-huh. <laughs> now... <laughs> which is awesome, by the way, but uh, just out of curiosity, <laughs> I mean, it's really easy to romanticize that type of thing. It is. Sorry, but that's just badass. Yeah. But the, thing, the thing that I really thought was funny is, also when you were 17, you were the most photographed female in the United States, possibly the world, correct? I was the Kodak girl, that life-size uh, cutout that was in all the camera stores and photo photo shops all over the world. Yeah, and so, the first uh, Kodak girl to be photographed in a bikini. Yeah. In fact, yeah. when the poster came out, they had Kodak was so um, they were so conservative, and they were freaking out. Oh, you know, we're using a bikini, which came up came up to my waist, by the way. Um, but they airbrushed out my belly button. <laughs> yeah, Everyone can Google and see that picture. Georgia Durante, uh, Kodak was it's uh, the first thing you standing up uh, belly button this. <laughs> oh my, my question was, it's two, again, a two part question. Had you been driving before then? Like, had you had practice of driving crazy or? being comfortable yeah. driving or was it just in you like genetically? Yeah, I used, I was kind of a tomboy growing up and I was hanging around a bunch of guys that were building cars and they were racing them on, on the weekends. And, uh, and, you know, I just wanted to get in. I wanted to race myself. Right. So they let me do it one, one Saturday. And I ended up beating, I was only like 16, but I, you know, I, I beat this 22-year-old, and then I beat him again, and it's like, wow, okay, well, we're going to put her on the roster now, right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, when I was 13, um, I used to I used to steal my parents' car in the middle of the night and just go for a joyride. But my father, <laughs> um, he, you know, he had he had a golf course, and 
he had all these electric carts and um, I would steal them in the middle of the night. I'd get the keys and call my friends up and, you know, like four o'clock in the morning, we'd be drag racing down the fairways and it was dark. So you couldn't really see where you were going. We'd end up on the greens. I'm like, oh my God, my poor father. He want, you know, he, he had to fix those greens and he says, I want 10% of your action. He says, I paid dearly for your education. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, then there were man. these little, there were these bridges, you know, that you used to pull your golf cart, you know, across. But yeah. um, I would take the electric carts over, but the wheels would hang over like an inch on each side. So if I if I did it perfectly, I could make it. If I didn't, I'd be in the ditch. Well, until I got it perfected, my poor dad had all these golf carts that had to be repaired, and you know. <laughs> But I did get it perfected. So there's yeah. a genetic piece in there as well, because you are clearly a person who is not afraid to take a risk. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's I'm, I'm a lot better now. I don't do that so much anymore. But, um, yeah, I mean, I uh, I was always this adventurous kid, and I had to know, you know, what was on the other side, you know? Well, it's, yeah. it's crazy to me because I'm I'm kind of a, I have a little tiny bit of celebrity up here in Portland as a DJ and promoter, but here you are as the most photographed girl in the entire country at the time. And this is before the internet. So if you're the most photographed girl in the country back then, everyone recognizes you. I would imagine going to grocery stores, uh, malls, people might've uh, pulled you aside and, and recognized you. So if you're running from police and they catch you or they see you, uh, that could be quite the ordeal. You know something, that was the whole purpose of the mob wanting to use me to, to actually, I started out, you know, carrying um, boxes and packages and dropping them off at uh, different areas. And But they thought I was the perfect person to do that because, you know, I look like the girl next door. Um, they knew I could drive because I had, I had gotten... This, this guy who had been shot to the hospital in record time, and that's all they talked about was, man, how a Georgie girl, how you can drive a car. <laughs> so they knew I could drive. Um, and I was asked to deliver a message by the um, godfather of upstate New York to the big godfather, Carlo Gambino, in New York. And Carlo... Carlo must have thought, geez, you know, if, if Sammy can trust her with, with a message like this, we know she can drive, and she's she's appearing at covers of magazines. Who's going to suspect her? Let's use her, you know. And that's yeah. really brilliant. Oh, but uh, it was, uh, so it was so Georgia. How do you how do you get away with talking about this story and the Gambino family without repercussions? You know what? When in my book. Um, I'll talk, I'll talk about murders, but I don't say who did it. There's no, there's really nobody who, um, would want to kill me for what I said in the book. I'll give you the background on it, but I won't say who did it, you know? Um, you know, I, I'm going back to the, the CIA. That's who I was afraid of. Oh. I wasn't afraid of the mob. I was afraid of the CIA. Cause how he said, I hear that. He, <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, my my thing is it's the CIA. What the, the uh, mob may have pulled the trigger, but the CIA loaded the gun. Mm-hmm. That just uh, <laughs> yeah. I, when my book came out, I was dating the chief of the strike force for organized crime, and of course, as soon as the book came out, the FBI was you know, like calling and I was just referring everything over to him and, you know, he, he would, he would make them all go away. But for a while there, we were both looking under our cars before we started, you know, to, to go anywhere. It was, it was kind of scary. So let me just get this straight. You went from being married to the mafia to being married to the feds. (laughs) (laughs) let's just clarify that real quick yeah he was the he was the chief of he was the chief of the strike force for organized crime 
Yeah. That is a leap. That is amazing. You have many, many books in you, Georgia. Oh yeah. I mean, he put he put away over you know a hundred top you know mob figures. In fact, he even put my friend away. Um, that was he. He put him in jail for uh, conspiracy to commit murder. And when my friend got out of jail and he found out that I was dating Jim. Um, he said, I want you to set up a dinner. He says, I want to explain to Jim my side of the story because, you know, in court, you you just, you can't get out what really happened. You have to just answer the question. So we, we went out to dinner and Jim, who, who is uh, very, very cheap, he never picked up a check. It used to really piss me off. But um, <laughs> we would we would Jim, go out. Are you out there? Do you hear this? <laughs> he, Jim just died of cancer last, last year. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, um, so we we go out to we go out to dinner, and um, the bill comes, and Jim goes to pick up the bill. I was like shocked, and Dan grabbed it out of his hand, and he says, uh, and, and Jim took it back, and Jim says, "Do you really think I'm gonna?" allow you to pay for my my um, for my dinner after I put you in jail for eight years. And Dan grabbed the check back and he says, he says, you paid for my dinner for eight years. It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that is, that is a meeting that I would have liked to have witnessed. Uh, yeah. I'm looking so forward to reading your book, Georgia. I mean, <laughs> it's this is just, this is fantastic. I mean, it's just very, it's a very special life, I think, to be, have such, be so rich in story, be so rich in experience. I mean, the folks, your daughter is so lucky to have you as a mother to be able to just, I mean, your, your experience is so broad. I feel like what a gift for you to be able to share your wisdom and your insight and your laughter, your humor with your daughter. And you also said in a past, um, a past podcast that we interviewed you on, you talked about how you never actually did prison time, but you have gone back into prison to talk to folks on the inside. And that is so interesting to me. Can, will you talk a little bit more about that kind of work? Are you still doing it? You know, what does um, that look well, like? You know, since I've had yeah, since I've had Angela, I'm not doing as much. I'm still working with abused women in shelters, um, and I'm working with this priest. I'm I'm one of his um, uh, distributors. This guy is he is the coupon king. I mean, you would not believe him. I mean, you give him a hundred dollars, and he gets a thousand dollars worth of groceries and stuff, toothpaste and. You know, you got to look him up when you when we finish this podcast. Um, look up the Holy Merchant on Google, and okay. you will see what he does. He he's amazing. But people say to him, "Oh, you're like those coupon guys on TV," and he says, "They're amateurs." <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's he's unbelievable. So, you know, I do a lot of work. You know, for him, getting you know things that people need to different shelters, and I keep myself busy, you know. Um, and I still have so many women in abusive situations that email me, and I, you know, I try to answer their questions and, and help them. But I get kind of scared sometimes because I'm, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a therapist, and if I give them the wrong information and then they, you know, use it, maybe their situation is not like something that happened to me. And so it's, you know, I have to be really careful and how to, uh, how to try to help people. It's a, it's uh, a very you, volatile you, situation. Uh, it's a very volatile what, situation right now with, um, domestic with abuse. That, They're saying right now because of the quarantine, there's right. been a significant spike and upsurge with, uh, domestic violence. Um, for anyone listening to the podcast, potentially right now, that's experiencing anything like that. Do you have any just, words of advice or recommendations for them? Well, you know, it's, it's such a crazy time right now. Um, yeah. Any of these places that are open are no longer open for these women to go, you know? 
I mean, if anybody is really facing something so dire right now, um, email me at stuntlady at me dot com, stuntlady at me dot com, and um, I will do my best to try to direct you to where you know you need to get help from. Thank you for that. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Uh, it's, it's really a tough time for anyone to be stuck at home in an abusive relationship right now, and particularly when people are afraid and feeling out of control and scared, you know, for the future in a great deal of uncertainty or financial dire straits about abuse situation, can it be exacerbated? So it's nice to know that there are people out there willing to talk to folks and certainly direct them to resources. Um, it's, it's a, it's a no, big, it's really it's a nice big just- uh, heart that you have. So many people you are seeing are coming out of the woodwork to try to help um, in every situation here, whether it be food or, you know, getting um, food to the elderly or medicines, picking up their medicines. Everybody's like pitching in, which I I just think is beautiful. And that's another reason why I think, you know, this is like just another awareness thing that God is letting us know, you know, this is what we need to get back to. Right. Right. It's all about community for sure. Um, Georgia, just out of curiosity, is it fair to say you were the first real female stunt driver in history of Hollywood? No. Um there were there were women uh actually doing the stunt work and stuff, but as far as the um um commercial end of it, it it was uh yeah, I was kind of a pioneer. Have you ever seen? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Have you, have you ever seen the movie Death Proof by Quentin Tarantino? Death what? Death Proof. It's about a stunt driver. It's um, uh, the yeah. guy. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. It's all about stunt. It's a sadistic stunt driver that uh, kills people with his car. Uh, it's the only movie that I've ever seen <laughs> like specifically about stunt driving. Kurt Russell. No. <laughs> No, I didn't. I did not see that. <laughs> that could that could be good quarantine viewing for you. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you, you know what's really funny is people will say, "Oh, you know who should play you?" And I have to look them up because I double these stars, and uh, you know, I just it just doesn't phase me of who who they are. You know, I have to look them yeah. up and say, "Oh, yeah." Um, but you know, I always wanted Charlize Theron to play me, but now she's she's getting she's getting kind of too old to do it. I mean, we have to go back to when I'm like eighteen, seventeen years old, you know. So, how far does the how far does the story go to? Well, you know, it's probably going to be changed once a director gets involved and they see it their way. And and you know, the 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 first uh, draft of a of a script always it never stays the same. You know, but what they are doing is um, they're not sensationalizing the mob part as well as um, almost like taking. Um, it, they're they're going through my life, but. Um, they're they're taking the negative parts and then you know really showing the positive in the end and um the strength of of women so you know we really need to get a strong actress that could could pull that off you know that's awesome there are enough films in this world that sensationalize the mob and sensationalize crime i mean i really think that just as we are sort of knee-jerk, super impressed that you're driving a getaway car successfully from the cops at age 17, it's hard not to be impressed on some level. At the same time, you know, it's not helpful that we live in a society that sensationalizes crime as cool and, I mean, I don't know, where is that balance, right? With we don't, I, I don't also personally believe that we should all step inside a tiny little square box and be super law-abiding citizens that don't think for ourselves. And at the same time, I do think that we need to, you know, turn down the volume on how much we sensationalize criminal behavior because it really does become um, 
something that plenty of people then strive for because it looks like power. It looks like success. It looks like ownership in a world where, you know, if you don't get your piece of the pie, you're likely to die on the streets. And we don't, you know, we want to, especially with this podcast, open up the conversation and say, there are other ways to hustle. There are other ways to get power. There are other ways to get yours in, in arenas that actually are helpful and move us forward as a culture in a positive direction. Right. Yeah. yeah I'm so yeah, happy to so hear right. they're doing that with your yeah. film. Yeah. And I have to say, I see, you know, I've seen pictures of you. You're gorgeous. I see if you could have somebody play you now, I choose Michelle Pfeiffer. I love her connection to Scarface. And then to have that turnaround, have the director yeah, call me. But when she did Scarface, that was 20 years ago. She's 20 years older now. You know? I see her ago. playing you now, though. Right. I see her playing you as a now yeah. player. If, yeah. if you do a film that has you in your current, you know, that somebody needs to play you now, I think it's her. I don't know yeah. many young actresses anymore. I think I'm getting old myself. Man. So, they're, yeah, they're, they're looking at Margot Robbie. Oh, yes. Oh, Mar- she'd be good. That would be a good player. So we're about at time, I think, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, we had time to do final pitch. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're almost there. Um, so the book, uh, The Company She Keeps, Nicholas Pileggi is wrote wise guy who turned into a good fella. And he also wrote my favorite movie casino. What a really great uh-huh. review on the book. Uh-huh. Um, just out of curiosity, Georgia, before we promote uh, Enchanted Manor and, and more stuff, do you have any advice for young uh, fledgling writers, people listening to the podcast that have always had an inspiration to, to write a book that might motivate uh, them into doing so? You know what? I, I have always said, Everyone has a book in them. It's just sitting down to do it, you know. I think if you just get the first three pages in, you're just going to run with it. I never planned on writing a book. It just, it just like when I was doing this for, um, um, for just for therapy, basically, um, it's just started flowing out. I mean, things that. I totally had forgotten about that were, I guess, you know, in my subconscious were just coming out. And um, if everybody would just sit down and start, just write that first page, that second page, and they'll get it out. The problem is when you're telling a true story, you are bringing a lot of people into it that may not want there are secrets told or, or, you know, the embarrassing things that have happened to them in their life. They don't want to see that on the pages. But you can't tell the story about your life and, and eliminate things. Like when I was raped by my brother-in-law, uh, I was 17 and I was a virgin. And my sister didn't want me to write about that. Well, that's the thing that pushed me uh, towards the people that I ended up, you know, spending most of my life with right i mean that was the yeah. the the negative thing that um that changed my life so how do you not talk about it you know how do you yeah. Not yeah, you have to include the catalyst yeah no that's the important stuff the gritty stuff you're scared to write about put it on the page and you can edit it out later you can talk to the people later but put it on the page it's it because yeah. it's the real it's the real stuff and it it's i think it's really helpful too like your story that is important that's an important piece to put out something that's so hard and traumatic and tender and your story is really not that is not what your story is about your story is about the things that you've taken that are hard and traumatic and tender and how you have turned them into the positive you just said it that was a catalyst piece for you to do every, you know Everything that is happening now is a is a product of everything that has happened before it, and it's all valuable. Well, you know what? Not only that, I I know of two people for sure, and I'm sure there's many others out there that it has saved their life. It saved one girl from killing herself, and it saved another girl. She was being stabbed to death by her ex-husband and she was on the phone with one of my drivers who just got done reading the part in my book where my brother-in-law killed his whole family and then he killed himself. 
and I'm standing in the cemetery surrounded by six caskets, knowing that I could die that same death. And he was at that part in the book. And when her husband started banging on the door and she hung up and he he got scared and called the police and the police got there and had to break down the door because they heard her screaming. He had stabbed her like 30 times and the police got there just in time, got her to the hospital and she lived. And he said, when the police called him, he said, we just want you to know that we you saved that woman's life by calling us. And he said, I didn't save her life. The company she keeps saved her life. But if he had not read that, he wouldn't have made that call. That's, that's an incredible story. We, yeah. I, I could feel like I can talk to you for hours here. And yeah, we're absolutely. lucky to have had, this is our third hour with Melanie Inc. podcast. I really <laughs> encourage our listeners to go back and listen to episodes 19 and episode 65. And there is some of the story you were just telling in some of those episodes. Um, and you know, we are going to have to wrap it up and so excited for hopefully the next time we get to interview you here. Very excited to read your book. Is there any last website you want to send people to or, um, yeah, if any last words for our our listeners, if they actually want to order my book, they can get it from my website, which, so I can sign it personally to them and send it out. And that's the the title of the book, thecompanysheKeeps.com. And then um, if they want to come here for a vacation, once this uh, craziness gets over with, they can go to my uh, website for the Enchanted Manor, and it's called EnchantedManorEvents.com. And they can get a hold of me, and they can book a wedding, or they can come and stay for a week. It's really fun fabulous here it's just it's it's like that would be an absolute act of optimism (laughs) yeah that would be an act of hope and optimism and trust in our future so (laughs) that is amazing georgia thank thank you you so much for joining us this has been really really fun it's such a pleasure to walk the planet with you oh thank you sweetie you're such a sweetheart (laughs) you guys are great I can't wait to talk to you again. Um, okay. Once again, catch us every Friday at 10 a.m. at StartupRadioNetwork.com. And I can't wait to talk to Georgia Durant again. Durante again. Uh, I'm going to buy your book as soon as possible. And um, thank you, as always, to Meg. You did a great job today. And Alan, during trying times, let's keep up the good work. See you next week. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com startupradio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc. sent you and get $150 credit. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.